Hey, baby. Hey. Naomi and Andy here with yep. a quick cue slash request. Yes. So, okay, Acast is doing these audience surveys, okay? We put the link in the show notes. The link is going to be in the link tree on our on Instagram and everything like that. Here's the thing, Naomi. Yeah. You know, we're already pretty choosy about the ads right. that we allow on the show. No weapons manufacturers. Raytheon, get out of here. Yeah. Screw off, Raytheon. But we want to make sure that the ads are kind of tailored to y'all. Right. Okay? Right? Say you want to hear ads for a different world DVD box sets. We need to know that. We, we need can to go out that. to them. We can get the word <laughs> out. But we only can get the word out if you give us the word. So you got to fill out the survey. It is quick, quick, quick. And it just lets us know if the ads you're hearing are the right ads for you. Yeah. So get on over to the show notes where that link is or the Couples Therapy link tree and fill out that quick survey so we can pass the word on to ACAST. All right. Roll it. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Open your hearts, loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situationships and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text sex, regrets, or feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. It's up, up, up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Naomi. My name is Andy. And we're a real-life couple. A real-life couple of comedians. Like on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple of questions from a couple of different listeners. And that is what we got popping. Andy, how you doing, girl? Yeah, I'm doing okay this morning. You know, the cats went and got some dental work yesterday. They got some teeth removed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So emotionally, I'm too sensitive for this world. <laughs> you are. I know you are. You are. Well, we said for years. Remember, you're a lace boy. Uh-huh. You're sensitive like a piece of lace. Yes, I'm, I'm uh, both your skin and your heart. I'm a doily man. A doily man. Move over, Marlboro man. There's a doily man. Don't you find Marlboro hard to say? Marlboro. Marlboro man. Marlboro. Marlboro. Oh, God, where is Marlboro? Is that Alabama or somewhere around there? I don't know. I thought it was just the cigarette. But I think it's a place, and I think that's where it comes from. Oh. And I'm wondering if you have a southern drawl, if it's easier to say Marlboro. 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 Yeah. I don't oh, think yeah. for either of us that was a southern drawl. We're fools. We're off the... We're off... <laughs> we're off our rockers. Marlboro. Uh, Marlboro. Marlboro. If you know how to pronounce it, you should... Um, Call in and just say it and then hang up. Or <laughs> <laughs> or email us and recommend a dialect coach. Oh, please. I always need that. Yeah. Well, you know, I only have two British accents. I need five more at least. 
Well, was... To make it in this biz, you need seven British accents. You need your posh one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Obviously. You need your cockney accent. Flowers, flowers for sale. <laughs> what the fuck was that? One? I don't know. I thought it was kind of like a country janky. Boy. That's your no. cockney accent. Okay, we're really upsetting people. We can't have them turning off the episode so quickly because we've got to give them some comments. Oh, yeah. So, yes, you know, at the top of the show, what we love to do is give you updates from people who you've given advice to. Maybe someone calls in with a comment about something that we haven't thought of. And I, Naomi, this comes from the Dewanda Wise episode. Can I just talk about how the way you sure. describe stuff is a, every person, like you assume that anyone listening is like the first time they've listened to not just this podcast, but a <laughs> podcast. Because you're like, at the beginning, what we like to do is sometimes people comment. And so you have to explain <laughs> what a comment is. And it's so funny. But continue. <laughs> Well, and now I'm used to terrestrial radio where people have to reset. <laughs> you come back from a break. You re- Hi, it's uh, Funny Joe and Judy here. You are not used to terrestrial radio. <laughs> you can't even think of normal things. But as you were saying. So do you remember? I think this is Dewanda's episode. I'm not 100% sure. We talked about Karamo from Queer Eye and how. He was forced to engage in restorative justice yes. without the background or skill to do that. Yes. And you were like, he's the culture guy. Why is he doing this? Well, yeah. someone Uh-oh. called in. Uh-oh. So check this out. Okay. Hi, my name is Sarah. I love you both. I love this podcast. It makes me so happy listening. Um, I was just listening to the current episode and I wanted to tell you guys something that's kind of interesting. At one point, you were talking about um, Queer Eye and Karamo being in a situation where he brought together um, a man who had been shot and the person who shot him. And, um, yeah, when you guys were talking about it, you were saying how, you know, what are they, what are these situations they're putting Karamo in? He's like, he's a culture person or whatever. He's a media guy. Like, he, they need to bring in experts. And what is so fascinating is Karamo actually is an expert in that area. He uh, worked as a licensed social worker and uh, psychotherapist for over a decade before transitioning into media. And then I was just looking up more details about it. And he is an active member of the Never Again MSD gun control movement after his Florida high school, uh, Stillman uh, Douglas, suffered a fatal shooting in 2018. So, yeah, so he... He is actually an expert, and uh, uh, I just loved finding that out about him because that show is so wonderful, and all five of those um, members of the cast are incredible. And uh, but yeah, often it seems like Karamo is being put into situations that seem a bit over the head of the person that would be in that position, but he actually is trained in therapy and uh, experienced in it. Um, anyway, just wanted to share that knowledge about those wonderful queer men on that show um, and uh, non-binary binary people on that show. Um, and thank you so much. I love this podcast so much. You guys um, just offer up so much by your emotionally intelligent interviews and advice, and it really warms my heart every single time I hear it. Okay, thanks so much. Bye. Okay, wow. <laughs> okay, to find this out about Karamo, then why uh-huh. are they calling him a culture person? Why don't they call him, like, yeah. Ayanla for the group? Or something where it's like, this man is... because like, And look, maybe they've done it in later episodes, because I haven't watched this Texas season that's out. Because uh-huh. like, they never set it up like that. 
So our, Karamo's out here with the most <laughs> skills of everybody in the group. Yeah, okay, JVN can't even do black hair, and Karamo out in here saving lives. You see, like uh, Evan Peters, we did group therapy at a prison, and then you find out he's not only one of the stars of Mayor of Easttown. He also he was a oh, a therapist for a couple of decades before he we went into acting. That's good, hun. Thank you. I don't know why Evan Peters was the name that popped into my head. <laughs> I have no idea either. It's also like, what? That is wild. Thank you so much for telling me as well as the compliment. But also, this is wow. Oh, Karamo's too good for this world. He's too good for this world to be a social worker, a therapist, and be that fine. Honey, the Lord giveth to Karamo. <laughs> the Lord giveth. <laughs> and he tooketh away from us. <laughs> To give to Karamo. I don't think it, it was us versus Karamo. I just think that Karamo has you know, it all. I talked to, I went to Temple the other day and I talked straight to the Lord. You did? Himself. And yeah. 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 And, and go ahead. Adonai said, Adonai said, oh, no, no, no. Your life is at a deficit because I gave all that. Adonai? Yes. I thought it was Adonai because I like it. It almost sounds like an Australian no. Adonai. No, thank you. Odenoi. So in Rory's episode, do you remember Rory's episode? There was a question about someone uh, and their partner. They were going to start a show together in half an hour because the caller had to go do something. And then when the caller got back, the person was already watching a movie. And Yes, yes, yes. A television show. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. So they called back in with an update. Hi, Naomi and Andy. Uh, Just a quick update or a clarification. Um, this is the person who called about the show with the Rory Scovel episode. Uh, just clarification. Yeah, it was some, like, George Clooney in the snow movie, Midnight something. Uh, and, uh, no, he didn't turn it off. So, thank you. Love you guys. Okay, so you're just telling me still that it happened. You just told me the type of movie. I want to know if this person has been taught the error of their ways. Don't you start no motion picture when we got plans to watch a television program. That's what I want to know. <laughs> Call back with the real update. I want to know what kind of boot George Clooney in the snow. That's a mess. I want to know if this person, if your partner has been brought to their knees. <laughs> oh, before we get into the episode, Nami, you know, we have a Patreon. Absolutely. Patreon.com slash couples therapy pod. And... Uh, we're doing a very special episode coming up, just an all-page advice episode. Yes, if you are a member of the Patreon, you can send us your questions and we will answer them on the Patreon. So there's something that's like just for insiders only, mm. okay? If it's something a little juicy, you might want to come over and drop it in the page. And you can listen for just five bucks. You get two bonus apps a month. Think about that, and Yes, and it's basically what supports the show, so... Thank you. <laughs> now, why don't I just I talk know, about yeah. it? You, know, you don't know how know to like how be normal. Really, yeah. I know. You never know. Listen, so let's talk about our guest. Oh, my God. I love our guest today. This was so fun. Our guest is actor, writer, producer, Zoe Lister-Jones. Yes. You can watch Zoe's new movie, which she co-wrote, co-directed, and stars in called How It Ends. It's on Hulu. Maybe you've seen Zoe on Life in Pieces, on New Girl, on Delocated, yeah. on so much more. She's out here doing the work, and we love her for it. So nice. You know, I'm always a little wary of white women. And Zoe. But, oh, my God. Damn delight. Damn delight. Didn't know. We got into so much. Didn't know all this about her. And you know what? 
You're going to find out too right now. Roll it. Now, ZLJ, I was just told by Andrew that you were from Brooklyn, and I don't think I knew uh, that. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Maybe yeah. that's why I allow you into my heart as a white woman. Two New York cows <laughs> right here. Exactly. You're a New Yorker. Okay. Wait, now, where, where were you raised? Harlem. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at us go. <laughs> look at us in Hollyweird. Uh, look at um, us out here. You guys never cross paths at all? Like, uh, because you're you're roughly the same no. age. And both no, of the it's arts. really strange. And we do have a lot of friends in common. It's funny that I've noticed that on Instagram where I'm like, what are you doing with Hallie? What are you doing with Tony? <laughs> what are you doing? You're out here. <laughs> we have so many friends in common. We obviously, uh, yeah, have many things in common. And we only met in our adult years at, um, in the line, in a line for food at <laughs> a party. In Pasadena. Right? We were- at a, at a party in Pasadena at the Beastie Boys house. Mm. What, a what, what a world. What a world. And you were looking very <laughs> chic. You're always, you always turn up, honey. You turn up with a love, and that's what we love. And I'm always dressed like I'm ready to go to bed because I get very anxious about clothing and how I look. And so then I just kind of go the opposite, and I'm like, oh, good Lord, put on a jean and a tee and just remember you don't need anyone to love you anymore. You know I, I mean? would love to remember that. And <laughs> if I could do that through wearing jeans and a tee, I would. The thing is that you really can wear jeans and a tee. You're, you know, because you're tall, you're model-like. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, we're going to have to clip that out, Angie, <laughs> and then we're going to make that like an MP3 I can just have on my phone. It just <laughs> plays over and over again, <laughs> yep. like as you sleep. Yeah. Maybe. You're tall and model-like. You're tall and model-like. You're tall and model-like. Yeah. You're tall and model-like. And I wake up and I'm like, I think I love myself today. <laughs> what happened? Do you think that works? Uh, here's the thing. Am I getting more insane and anxious because i have seinfeld going in my ears while i sleep all night do you you leave it out yeah. you leave seinfeld yeah on? he plays it on yeah he only plays you know has With that a, and i have my it. little headphones on so <laughs> am i getting more like weird and anxious naomi do you, do you uh, have you noticed that yeah that'd be yeah that would be a question for naomi mm. uh and zoe here's there's another thing you and i are <laughs> facebook was... friends you and i no. are facebook friends from a long time ago Jeez, for some reason how i don't i have no idea Facebook? Well, I, you know Adam Pally, maybe through that. I don't know. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, I haven't been on Facebook in so long. Yeah, of course. Um, but, uh, but my Instagrams do go there. So the uh. people who do, are still on Facebook do know, you know, about um, the looks I'm serving. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember I don't go on Facebook except to post, like, couples therapy stuff so i'm not on right, there right. but like i just remember for some reason that we are That's so funny i don't from like a decade ago i have no idea why so anyway all these connections <laughs> we're and very yet, we were also like we were all myspace friends yeah <laughs> we were friendster we were friendster, friendster was That's, hot that was the one that I, was the one i had this weird thing on friendster i don't know why so friendster was around when i was about 20 or so and I put on um, an extremely honest bio for myself <laughs> where I, I went through all my neuroses and I put them there. I don't know why I thought that was funny, but I thought it was funny to just list all my, this is who I am. I think it was like, who are you? 
And then I listed all my neuroses and problems, which I would not deal with in therapy for at least another 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So wow. Friendster was your, your first therapist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for some reason. Yeah, the only self-awareness I had in my 20s. Now, ZLJ, how long have you lived in this godforsaken town that is Los Angeles? A decade. A decade. Okay. Now, you seem to have your head screwed on straight. (laughs) How is that? Are you a guidance counselor? (laughs) Yep. I said she, I think she can go to one of the Ivies if she just puts some time into her essay. You need more extracurriculars. You need more extracurriculars. Well, that she's got. It's all extracurricular. It is a lot of extracurriculars. Maybe one too many. Um, Yes, I do. You go ahead. I want to know how you like. I want to know where this line of questioning is because okay, here's here's my line of questioning. First is like, what are some of the things you do to stay like normal? Because you are Uh, a hot blonde white woman in Hollywood, (laughs) and you could really go a hard left. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to know like what you're doing. I mean, for the listener, Zoe is in what I'm calling a Nancy Myers miracle living room. Okay, (laughs) we're talking cream couch, beige womb chair. There is a fireplace. It's like if you turn Diane Keaton's outfit into a house. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's the greatest compliment I've ever received (laughs) on my interior design. So what do you do to stay not cray? (laughs) Um, Man, I am cray, though. That's the thing. Um, What do I do? Well, I don't know. I mean, I... God, I get I get colonics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see. I see. Get rid of toxic people. That's an important release for me. I would say on a sort of bi-monthly basis. <laughs> um, what I don't know. I mean, I think because my parents both were uh, are artists who never made money from their art. I like was always like this is the greatest gift anyone's ever given me that I can make a living from this thing. Mm -hmm. So I do think that like always has stayed with me. Um, It's why I'm so humble uh, (laughs) and grounded. Uh, No, I mean, I don't know. Uh, And, um, and uh, maybe that's it. I don't know how to answer that. Well, it was a weird, crazy question. Okay. And I'm just a little loopy because I did wake up from a nap about 30 (laughs) minutes ago. And I have to pivot into human conversation. (laughs) Let me try let me try to uh, shape this. Like like a sculpture. Like a uh, please. Uh Boccioni. Boccioni? Is that the guy with the the kind of very smooth (laughs) Anyway. Point being. I really tried to grasp. For any art, I'm like, oh, uh, Zoe's uh-huh. a, uh, like, <laughs> her parents are I know arts. art. Uh, 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 <laughs> you <yeah>. know, Boccioni? <laughs> <laughs> Your parents know Boccioni? Who's <laughs> uh-huh. um, the Earthworks guy that did uh, Spiral Jetty? Oh, Robert Smithson. That's good. My parents did know Robert Smithson. Really? Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. That, was, yeah. that was amazing. I just threw yeah. something out there. <laughs> That's... You really got the street cred. I don't know who Boccioni is, but that one's for real. <laughs> uh, now shape it, shape it. Sorry. So, okay, wait. <laughs> so, what did your parents do for a living then? If they did not make, or do, or did you guys just live like close to the bone so they could live and just do art? Well, we did live close to the bone. We were always broke, but um, my mom uh, 
was a professor. Like she, she, she was a video artist and then she got a gig teaching video art at Rutgers university in uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, uh, I would say just like a modern hellscape for her. <laughs> and then, um, my dad was just bouncing around. Like he edited some art magazines that then would like go under. He was a telemarketer for a little bit. He worked at an animation company. Like, yeah. you know, it was sort was of like, it, yeah, they, they were both, um, he was trying to just like, yeah, stay afloat. They, they both were really, but my mom lucked into, cause those teaching gigs are really hard to get. And mm. so many artists want them, especially mm-hmm. in like fine arts, because like it's yeah. a way to actually make a living, um, and have like health insurance. So that was lucky for my mom. She was there for like 20 years. Um, but it's also in, I mean, you then see, I think I witnessed as a kid, like, uh, how much that sucked their, life force Mm -hmm. and didn't allow for them to have any more energy to make art right 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 were your parents are like were they married are they still married you know like are they together like what was that i mean because they seem like to me it's very like brooklyn hippie us against the world let's (laughs) take some weird shit that's the can i throw brooklyn because if we're talking like video art i'm thinking more like brooklyn avant-garde we we've been to a bunch of Velvet Underground shows when we were younger. <laughs> that and and went off in that direction. Yeah, it is. It's a little. It is a little less hippie and okay. more, um, it, you know, less Velvet Underground because they. My my mom's Canadian. My dad uh, met my mom in in Canada, and then they <laughs> came to New York in seventy six or seventy seven. So they were. Um, what my dad was just telling me about was like going to see the talking heads like four uh, nights in a row in 77. Uh, oh. Okay. So at CBGBs. CBGBs. Uh, uh, cool. Hipping. So, cool. That's where you get so it. So we're from. talking about the new wave kind of like that's right. downtown art scene. That's yes. the kind of like talking heads. Um, like Frank yeah. Stella. Was he part of that? I don't know. I don't know who that's that is. That's the one artist I know. <laughs> that's an artist. That's an artist. That's a person. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> television. That's the word. I sorry. I was stumbling because I was like, I was television. like, what's the other yes. band that I'm thinking of from around? Oh, yeah. I thought you just meant the actual television, <laughs> like new, like new wave CBGB's television. Television. You know, Cheers, <laughs> Taxi, Taxi, and Good I, Times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My childhood was a lot like Cheers. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that was the scene. That was their scene. And I was, uh, I, I was often like the only kid at like gallery openings. Cause none of the, okay. their art world friends had kids for a while. And then they were the first people to move to Brooklyn and nobody would come visit us. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and then not the first people in, in the world. <laughs> uh, my parents discovered Brooklyn. Uh, they're wow. sort of the, yeah, they're, yeah, the ultimate, uh, colonizers. Um, <laughs> No, but, but, uh, they, anyway, they split up when I was nine. Okay. Uh, and, okay. um, and, uh, it wasn't great. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it wasn't great personally for me. Do they still talk? I guess, cause I, here's what I want to get to too. I'm wondering if at all the relationship between your parents informed the way you dated or crushed. Mm-hmm. I will say this for instance, mm-hmm. as someone who grew up with a single mom, I think I don't I didn't think it at the time, but I think now part of why I was so obsessed with like a boyfriend and a relationship was because it's like what I didn't have. You know what I mean? And I was just like, I want yeah. a person and I can see how 
hard it is. And as I got older, I'm like, I see how hard it is to just kind of like go through shit by yourself, especially yeah. with a damn kid. And it's like, there's no, you know what I mean? And so that kind of, I think, impacted me just being like, I just, I, I want some stability and I, or rather I want someone to be in love with me. I think very different. You know what I mean? I want, <laughs> I want someone, to be worshipped. Yes. I need you to be in love with me. So like, did that happen for you or did you feel that yeah. way? Were you like uh, a teen who was like really crushing, you know? I was major crushing, but <laughs> I was also terrified of intimacy um, of like any sort of physical or sexual intimacy. Like, whereas like the, I was like a weirdo, you know, I was a young freak. <laughs> and, um, okay. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. Can we, when you say young freak, like what is it like? Cause there's a difference. Like I was a young freak in Pennsylvania. So there right. was like, you know, not a lot of people that were on my wavelength, but what about a young right. freak in New York? Like there mm-hmm. has to be, is there, are, is there not a community of young freaks? Right. In New Were you York? a young freak on a leash, surrounded by something <laughs> to keep you tethered, or a young freak unleashed? Unleashed. We like that. Too. I was. I. I would say that I was holding my own leash. My therapist would probably say that. Um, <laughs> but I. It's funny. No, I didn't have. There weren't. I guess I went to a. <laughs> I went to a summer camp, like starting around when my parents split up. That was like more freaks, and that's where I met like older freaks and the older free- and but they weren't it was just it was the 90s so it was more just like you know indie rock kids mm-hmm. but um but i think i started to do different things than even the indie rock kids which is like i sh- i shaved my head quite young and i was wearing like really wild things and so i think i was like without knowing it i was like also playing around with like gender presentation and stuff and mm-hmm. and that i didn't have a community i mean there there were like you know like queer kids who were like come join our uh club in high school and i was like oh i don't know why <laughs> you know like because i wasn't totally aware like i i still am like unpacking what i was trying to do then but i think more than anything i just like thought it was a cool like fashion statement i was just like Mm -hmm. into pushing some boundaries in that way but i had no one to rebel against like my parents were cool so like my mom took me to get my head shaved um (laughs) um, but i but i think you know i mean i think that i was starting to feel older men's attention so i think Mm. now when i'm looking back on it i see that head shaving as maybe me being like fuck off yeah yeah leave me alone but i but but it wasn't like but i was completely invisible to anyone my own age so (laughs) so um so i would pine after people and i would live in this sort of like um the space of like unrequited love mm-hmm. always there was a lot yes, of the high school like um fiona apple title that was like <laughs> okay. it was what about ani just... is there any ani defranco because all ani all ani defranco all the time absolutely absolutely don't you play both hands next to me because i'm gonna start <laughs> crying i i would write in my classes i would write in the margins of my of my um notebooks just all of her lyrics because i would just know i would just be hearing them in my head like a like a spiral jetty, if you will, you know? Um, but yeah, no, it was like, I didn't, so I never had a boyfriend uh, or a girlfriend and I had crushes on both, but I was just like, what, I just felt so afraid. And then when certain people, when I got to, cause 
I went to the freak high school. I got, I got, um, it wasn't, I wasn't zoned to, but I went to the, like my public school was not cool, but there was a cool public school called Edward R. Murrow, which is where the freaks went. And so I wanted to go there and it's where I had older friends. Oh, yeah. um, and so my friends were always like older. Um, like seniors so, when you were freshmen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Juniors and seniors. And they were all doing a lot of drugs. And I was like their sober watch person. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't. And so I wasn't really, there was a, there was not a lot of activity. I was part of a group of people, but my, like that were going to parties and stuff, but I wasn't like. Wow. You look at you having a moral center, even so young. I feel like. Or was it fear? (laughs) That's what it was. I still haven't done any drugs because I'm just scared of what's going to happen. Right. I don't have that fear anymore. (laughs) I'm like, show me what will happen. (laughs) How do I escape reality? Um, But then I did. It was fear. Yeah, it was so much fear. Also, I think because my parents both, um, like, were experimental with drugs, I, there was so much about control. Like, I just never wanted to feel out of control. Yeah. And I was also witnessing. It's kind of like how I feel with all of my friends with kids now, where, like, um, no offense to their families, but, like, it doesn't make me want children. Yeah. And yeah. When you watch people have a bad LSD trip, you're like, I don't want to do that. Like when you're the sober watch person at like age 11, you're like, I don't ever want to do that. Yes. Children are the bad LSD trip of adulthood. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Yeah. So I didn't get my first, like, I, I had so many crushes, though. I was crush crazy <laughs> i get that oh yeah. yeah 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 you could call me boy crazy stacy if you will from <laughs> it was just all about that life so when did you have a so did you go away to college no i stayed in new york went to nyu okay oh well there you go that's how, that's how you book so young tish girl tish girl <laughs> tish bish yes wait can i ask you said you're scared of being physically vulnerable Right. Yeah. But were you also scared of being emotionally vulnerable? Well, I'm sure, yes. And Facebook, from Facebook or from Friendster to now, you've, <laughs> I think, learned so much in therapy. Um, he but really has. He has. <laughs> but I, it is a good question. And I think that absolutely was it that I was like afraid of that. I think I, um, yeah, like I had like, and I've talked about this before and I, you know, want to keep it light, but my mom's boyfriend was like, there was, I had a, he had, he gave me too much, a little too much attention. Mm. And, um, and I think that was when I was like 11. So it was a really important moment as like a girl, like coming into one's sexuality and body. And I think I, I think from that moment on, I was like, nobody look at me, nobody Uh touch me. Like Uh that, that something about, being like lust or, or attention equaled like danger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that is all the same thing of like not being able to trust someone emotionally. Cause mm-hmm. I also was like c- kind of being groomed, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was like, luckily he like left, but. Were um, you able to tell your mother or he just left naturally? Not naturally, but you know what I mean? Like he okay. left, they broke up and then it wasn't until like years later that my mom uh, actually brought it up to me and okay. I had kind of blocked some things out mm. and she was like, 
Yeah. So it's been, so that's been my thirties, uh, like sort of trajectory in terms of emotional intimacy, relationship shit, all of that stuff has like, you know, there's that like one, like, or multiple childhood traumas, but whatever those things are that like arrested your development where you're still like as an adult being like, are we still talking about this? Oh my God. Oh, when do we get to stop talking about it? Oh, I know. Right. Never, oh. never. Yes. Every week in therapy. I'm never. like, I say, are you tired of hearing this stuff yet? I know. I, I try uh. to spice it up for her because I'm, I'm like, Throw some uh, pepper on it. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. because because I'm like, oh god, you like you. Do you want to hear about this stuff again from a slightly different angle, from like <laughs> just slightly to the left of where I talked about it last week? No, totally. I mean, I will say, um, I feel now like I am. I, I have begun to repair those wounds in a way that's cool to see. Where you're like, oh, that's a shift. And my therapist, bless her, is like. She'll like pause me when I'm telling a story because you know, like I'm like we have an hour. I got I <laughs> I bull I bulldoze through yes. these therapy sessions yes. where, I'm, and then afterwards I'm like, she didn't get a word in it because <laughs> I was just like I gotta finish my story. <laughs> um, but she she does pause me. She'll be like pause, listen to what you just said. That's different, mm. you know. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, we that's love good. her. No, we yeah. love her. She, yeah, she's also my mom's therapist. What? That's VLJ. Uh, look, <laughs> I've seen uh, the second season of Evil, where <laughs> the mom surreptitiously goes to her daughter's therapist to find out about the daughter. Yes, using yeah. it as a yeah, using yeah, yeah. it again surreptitiously, using it as a oh. way to kind of find some information out. So, uh, what's going on <laughs> with with your therapist? Okay, well. I didn't go to my mom's therapist for a long time, literally until just like a, mm, probably a year and a half ago or two years ago. My mom's, um, I'm so sorry for this like gardening that's happening next door to me. Can you hear it or is it fine? Great. It's fine. It's great. Um, my mom's therapist has been her therapist for, I want to say like 20 to 30 years. Like, um, and my mom loves her and I've always struggled to find like a therapist that I really love. It's been a lifelong search, but then, you know, I like stop searching and mm-hmm, I'm kind of, of like, oh, I'm yeah. fine. I'm busy. I, you know, I'm in like the, the, the makeup trailer serves as my therapy <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then like my mom, I think sort of was like, I'm She was like going to stop going to therapy. And she was like, if you want, you can have my therapist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she was like, let me ask her if she'd be okay with that. But she's really good. Cause I was sort of in crisis mode and she was like, she's really good at that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, cause I was working with the therapist at the time who it was kind of like, you know, it was like, uh, like when you're lo- you're lonely and you're like, you know, fucking somebody, but they're not the one, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. A perfect analogy for your mental health professional. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were just so, keeping your bed warm, your mental bed warm. <laughs> your they mental were, bed. They were. So yeah. So then, um, my mom's therapist said yes, and then, uh, and and then I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is the person I've been waiting for. Wow. Yes. 
And do you ever get a little tea on your mom's past? Do you know what I mean? Like, is she, is she, every now and then are you like, how does that compare to, what's your mom's name? Ardell. Okay. How does this compare to Ardell's journey? Am I getting it? Am I getting better faster? Or what can I say to close um, the wounds of my, her, my upbringing with her? No, I don't do that. But I, but what is cool is that I don't have to go into like an entire family history. Like she knows everything. Wow, that's so true. Oh. I mean, she knows yeah. it through my mom's lens, but she, but that's kind of interesting too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, so that's been really helpful. Obviously, I know that uh, this is couples therapy, and so you you all know the importance of therapy, but it really it's life saving. Yeah. yeah. So wait. So when did you start dating for real? Then was it college? So my first, well. I sort of just like um, uh, like jammed a first kiss in there in high school <laughs> because I knew I had to. Uh, okay. you know, and explain how you jammed in the kiss. <laughs> Who was the? What was the yeah, scenario? Were you, were you in, in you line like- to get your diploma and you just grabbed the person <laughs> behind you and just like planted one on their cheek? Cheek yeah. wouldn't count, Andy. Oh, well, no, I didn't want no, to no. didn't get too lascivious. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. This is PG. Um, there was there was tongue involved, and it was my my uh, principal. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, it was there was this boy that had a crush on me, and um, we like started like talking on the phone. It was cute. Oh, I love that. But in, but like he was really sweet and would have been, I think, a cool person for me to have allowed for like some growth um together <laughs> in that way uh, but I was just like it was Halloween and I was like I said to my girlfriends like I need this to happen tonight it, I, it was like so just like I had I wanted to get it over with which is like a lot I, of things in my life <laughs> and um so that I did and we went and we when we had our first kiss like on the street in Brooklyn like at this Halloween party and then after that I never spoke to him again and he wanted to keep dating and it, it was interesting because like of course, I don't know if you had either of you had this, but like, of course, I then said no because I because I was so afraid of intimacy. I was kind of like, okay, I got it done. Now, like, I have to go back and like hide in my shell. And um, and then he started dating someone else, and I pined after him for probably two years. Like, I it was like because that was the safest place for me to do that was when I couldn't actually (laughs) yeah you would have all the feelings and yeah open yourself up when there was no one to receive those feelings yes so wait in like tv shows and movies where like there's like a young teen girl who's like i gotta lose my virginity or whatever (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like they're just like trying to find someone that's like a real that's not like something that like like 60 year old white dudes <laughs> like, well, what does a young girl think of uh, uh, chomping on like the end of a stogie chomping. so that's like a real thing just like eating cigars for breakfast <laughs> um, yeah that is that is where toxic masculinity comes from it's from eating cigars for breakfast yeah. um, I think I did that um, and I will say also that's probably also how like old you know white men writing things believe that it goes down but it it, it did go down like that for me i don't how did it, did it go down like that for you anyway no i mean i was always like okay who okay here's the thing i was afraid of sex so sex was never something that you know like i wanted right to do um but then i was like 
But then I got in a relationship, and then it was like sophomore year of college. I have to remember Uncle Fred listens to this. Oh, and yeah. then I was like, every now and then I forget. He'll like comment on something, and I'm like, oh, God, I forget. <laughs> but then it was like, you know, I was in a relationship, and I remember because he was a virgin and I was a virgin, and I wanted that. Like, I was like, you know what? The older you get, the harder it is to find someone who's clean. And you should just. <laughs> That's the wisest thing. That your younger self could have thought. <laughs> because I was, again, I was so scared of, again, like mm-hmm. STDs and, mm-hmm. or what do we call them now? STIs? Just mm-hmm. anything like that. And so right. I just felt like, and I and I loved him so much, and I was like, and he's so nice. And so then I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then, like, that happened a little bit. And then he <laughs> went to study abroad in France. And oh. And then he like, but he broke up with me, but like when school was over, I was like, cause he was like, oh, I know I'm going to Paris in the fall. Like, let's just call it. And it was just like, <gasps> okay. Did it break your, it broke your heart. He broke oh your heart. my God. And then my yeah. mom, I remember she got, I was like, you know, having a sob session. And my mom just said to me, she was like, well, I assume you had sex with him or else you wouldn't be so upset right now. And I just like, didn't say anything. Zoe and I both. <laughs> our, our eyes went wide. Dinner plates. Yeah. You know, she's oh, no wow. she's no Ardell, okay? And <laughs> so yeah, it was like I remember like that was that. And then again, like, but then like I still did like once I graduated, because again, I remember being again, you know, going back to New York. You were in college there. And I know the NYU kids, I mean, my God, if I had the West Village as my playground, I could only imagine the the Shenanigans. The STIs, the STIs, STIs. you could have contracted. Right, yes, every night at Film Forum. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, please, yes. everyone had fake IDs. I was just running around the East Village and the lower, and then, um, what do you mm-hmm. call it? Uh, why am I blanking? The West Lower East Side. I, <laughs> I didn't know Lower East Side and the West Village. I was like, what's the other one? What's the other one? I need to get back well, to New York. All of it. <laughs> all like, of it. If I had been in New York, that I would be like IFC Center and <laughs> ABC No Rio. That would have been where I was hanging out. And that. Angelica was your jam. Yes. You awesome. guys go to the Angelica. I said, I, I'm not here for the artistic oh, situation. I, I love the Angelica. Um, also, there was a place. I, feel, I, don't, I don't know you, but I feel that you would have gone to Coney Island High. Do, do you know about that? It was like a punk, it was like a punk club on St. Mark's place. No, no. The only time I, I had a indie rock band in college and the only time we played in New York was a place called the Bagot Inn, which was in the lower East side somewhere. That was for CMJ. Yeah. Yes. For the CMJ. CMJ oh, that's cool. That was, um, that was a good, that's big time. Oh yeah. He had, I mean, honey, he's got albums, but like, wait, so like, <laughs> How so? Well, I guess what I'm trying to put together in my head is the journey from like someone who was like afraid of intimacy to someone who was then in an open relationship because that seems like uh-huh. I, I'm trying to figure out the like the dialectic. That's between, a, yeah. How how do you as a person get from one to the other? Because I think that's yeah. interesting. Um. Well, so yeah, I went then I. I did also jam in a virginity loss mm. um, when I was, uh, and that's a real jam, you know, <laughs> when I was um, in college. Okay, college. You said, okay. So, so freshman year, like sort of towards oh. the end of freshman year, I was like, let's just get this done. Really? And so again, it was like none of it 
it, I was I was going about it so the wrong way. Obviously, <laughs> I should have been in therapy because what I was doing was I was like deepening my intimacy. I was making my intimacy, my lack of trust and intimacy issues so much more profound because I was like, I was choosing, I was choosing these people who weren't the most safe. I was choosing situations. I was choosing, I was then pulling away. So there was never any like room for exploration that was safe. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I did, and I continued on that journey, um, really until, yeah, like I, I mean, I, I had a, um, boyfriend in college who, also was like quite infatuated with me. He was my first real boyfriend. Um, that was like my junior year, but I like paid him no mind and <laughs> no mind until he started dating this, this, um, friend of mine. What? <laughs> I smell a <Crazy>. pattern. <laughs> Not even, and he wasn't, he wasn't dating her, but they started sleeping together and she didn't give a shit about him. She was kind of like, you should be, you two should date. Like stop being Wait, dumb. So she knew. Okay. Oh yeah, she wait, knew. that's everyone how you, knew. How did you feel about her yeah, sleeping wait, with on. him though? All right. Well, <laughs> I was in I was so I was in a band in college and we were playing a show and I remember she came and t- and that night they both came. This was before cuz he was my friend. Mm-hmm. But everyone knew that he was, you know, infatuated with me. With me. Mm, that should have meant that, off limits. That should have meant off limits. Yeah. Thank you so much. And you know what? In recent years I've had this come up with other girlfriends where I'm like eh. one in particular. Anyway, she, <laughs> and I will name names by the end of this um, podcast. But um no, she I think she did ask me that night and I I was like, "Yeah, totally go for it." You know, cuz I was like, you "I'm not be vulnerable." Of course, you couldn't yeah. indicate that you might have liked him no and i was also she wasted um because <laughs> i would get so i would like my whole persona in my band was like party girl um so that was like that's also an interesting because i i was shy i was actually shy but uh, there was a lot of like performative party girl mm-hmm. stuff happening um and then yeah i guess how i got to i ended up dating that guy because they started hooking up and then I was like, oh, he's attractive to me now. <laughs> and, then, and then I like made a move or something. Um, once they started, I, I talked to her about it. I was okay. like, are you, are, are you done? And she was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but she was like, he's good in bed. And that was, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Whatever. <laughs> I just need it. And, and then, yeah. And then we started dating. And of course, once we started dating, he turned, um, totally like avoidant and withdrawn and and tortured me <laughs> wow right. okay so y'all were too similar that was the problem there uh-huh wow, yeah wow, wow um so i was i you know it's interesting I, my gut was kind of right to avoid him it wasn't just me having yeah. intimacy issues yeah. Um, but then, and so that, and then I went, I went abroad. I went and studied acting at RADA in wow, London. Wow. Oh, I've heard of it. Uh, did you tread yeah, the boards at the globe? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I sure did. Um, and, uh, and so, but we stayed together when I went on this trip, but what, but we were sort of allowed to be hooking up with other people and sort of not talking about it. So that was, I guess, the beginning of a non-monogamous situation. Um, and it was terrible. Mm, Um, and then he started like dating. When I got back, he, he broke up with me and I was 
hook. Wow. Uh-huh. That he would break up with me. Um, and I was devastated. I was heartsick. Mm-hmm. Like, I just could not, even though he was a terrible, terrible boyfriend. Um, yeah, it was that same thing. It's like, I, it's like with everyone, you know, you sort of romanticize the, the nightmares. <laughs> That's a beautiful you're... album title. Romanticize the nightmares. <laughs> um, so when do they start, when do the relationships start getting good? <laughs> Andy, I think we gotta pivot to questions. <laughs> if y'all could have seen the look, okay, the look she gave. Um, no, I mean, I. So then I, I um, ended up after in that sort of heartbroken period. I ended up meeting my. Um, my ex who I ended up spending the next, like, you know, almost 20 years with, uh, which is pretty amazing. I ended up, um, like hooking up with him out of a very heartbroken place. Mm. And I, and I actually met him the night on, on a night that I was DJing with my ex-boyfriend. Oh we, we would DJ together. We were DJing on this, boat called the frying pan sure which was like sure this is teens in new york this is euphoria this is just although i'll tell you i don't i don't know what music they're playing you for but for some reason i imagine that him handing you a specials album i don't know why i do not know why that popped into my head that's very that's really are you intuitive is he intuitive no <laughs> what okay. he's in his own head all the time <laughs> that you know what's interesting is i was a I was a rude girl, um, but I was, you know, in like seventh and eighth grade, I was obsessed with, yeah, like post-punk and ska. We didn't DJ the specials, but the specials were my everything. Um, the, at that point, we were DJing like um, Peaches mm-hmm. and like a Fisher Spooner. Mm-hmm. Um, there were like some New York, <laughs> but then also, you know. Um, yeah, it was like, there was sort of like an art rocky, like dance. It was also like the rapture. It was the beginning of this like cool, it was such a great time for music in New York. And I always, when I talk about it, I feel like one of those like geezers being like, (laughs) you remember when the Strokes played their first show at Brownies? But, um, but I do. Uh, Yeah. I'm so sorry, but Zoe, I just want to get to a question, Andy. Yes, sorry, yes, but I, I, I kind of wanted to put like a little point on that because I wanted to. I, fe- I felt like we were going in a direction, and I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to fall off the, the side journey. of the ro- road. I yeah. get it. Um, I get it. Do you have some time for uh, a couple uh, listener advice questions? Oh yeah, great. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll answer your advice questions. 
as the male half of couples therapy, I was asked to do this one because we're talking about boxers, which, and I hope I'm not breaking any confidences, Naomi does not wear. Now, if you're a podcast listener like me, you've heard plenty of ads for me undies, and frankly, I had always thought it's underwear. How special can it be? And then I tried them, and friends, it is like wearing magic. It is like wearing a dream. It is so soft, there is nothing earthly I can compare it to. I am embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed to say I'm middle-aged and just finding this out, but the material your underwear is made out of really does make a difference. I won't say where I usually get my boxers from, but for comparison, me undies are like wearing a cloud covered in angel's feathers, and the other ones I wear are like wearing a bear trap smothered in puke. MeUndies got style for everyone, from all-black classics to fun, expressive prints in sizes extra small to 4XL. And they use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that actually care for their workers. Also, I gotta point this out, there is a particular technology that the folks at MeUndies would like me to discuss. Now, you know Naomi is sex negative and I am sex neutral, so I didn't want to have to say what this technology is, so I asked friend of the show, friend in real life, Mort Burke, to say the phrase. So, okay, here it goes. For any listeners with penises and testicles, I can say medical words, I can say medical words, you might be interested in me undies sophisticated contoured pouch and ball caddy. What's that again, Mort? They're incredibly comfortable contoured pouch and ball caddy. Wonderful. Thanks, buddy. Okay, soft underwear comes in all packages at MeUndies. So to get 20% off your first order plus free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash therapy. That's MeUndies.com slash therapy for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Can we take a minute and talk about Skims? Now, you know I'm a recent Skims convert, having tried their underwear in the last few months, and I am now living lifted, supported, changed. So I decided to keep trying new stuff. And let me tell you, Skims basics and foundations are where it's at. Yes, I recently got the soft, smoothing, seamless t-shirt. And y'all, it is so comfortable. It's been the perfect layer for me. I'm rocking it under a cardigan or a sweater when I want to keep it fitted and fabulous and not look all bulky. I mean, y'all know I'm back to work. Hashtag blessings. And I'm definitely that girl who is always cold in the office. Okay, I need my layers, but I'm still trying to look put together. And the soft, smoothing, seamless shirt is helping me get it right. And I also got the boyfriend t-shirt in Heather Gray, and it is so friggin' soft and comfortable, and it's giving casual but intentional when I wear it with a pair of jeans. I'm feeling very good in it. So if you want to give these and other basics a try, shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small through 4X. Thank you for the range, Skims. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows. Again, that's skims.com. Go check out everything they've got in the new t-shirt shop. with Zoe Lister Jones, honey, here to help you handle your emotional scandal. This one is in therapy, honey. This one is looking deep within, honey. This one has empathy, honey. Sure do. So Zoe is going to help us help you. I love empathy, honey. All right. Why don't we do uh, some voicemails? Here's one. Hello, Naomi, Andy, and honored guest. 
I'm calling because I'm wondering if any of you have ever felt like the universe is holding you back from going on romantic adventures, because that's the feeling that I'm having right now. Uh, I've been in a situation for the last year of of being in like romantic trouble times. I was living with a primary partner in a polyamorous relationship, and it went south in a really terrifically polyamorous relationship way. And we're still living together 11 months later and still trying to figure all of that out. So I haven't felt really pulled towards talking to anyone new because the idea of meeting someone and not having a guarantee that they'd be worth my time was just abhorrent. But lately, I've been thinking that it might be nice to kind of dip a toe back in there. You know, I'm double vaxxed, I'm boosted, I'm like ready to maybe be shown a nice time. And... uh <laughs> I've been scrolling through the apps, and I have been finding nothing, like truly (laughs) nothing. Like, I'm not just generally someone who's pulling in huge numbers of matches or anything, but I, I usually do fairly well in terms of matching with people, and I usually do fairly well in terms of finding people that I'm at least mildly interested in. Um, there's a couple of types of people who tend to go for me, like sort of uh, arty guys and music nerds and movie nerds and, and people that I find I have common connections with. But the people that I have been finding lately, first of all, I'm finding like five to ten times fewer people when I'm spending time swiping uh, who I'm matching with. And then the people that I am finding, I I don't want to be like, rude about these people based on profiles but like there is there is nothing that I feel called to in all of these profiles Mm. and yeah I'm just feeling like whether I think I'm ready or not that these dating apps are trying to tell me that I'm not and I know that they say that you find love or you find romance when you're not looking for it and I'm wondering if any of you have ever kind of had the reverse where you're looking for it and you're just coming up with nothing and and what you might have done with that because I yeah I really just feel like enough time has passed and enough pain has passed that I'm ready to be shown some good times by some good people I just seem to have disgusted the whole universe thank you very much I love the show love listening to it and Naomi you are one of my favorite uh, cameo people that I've ever reached out to you gave me an amazingly motivational uh, video message back and I watch it regularly thanks bye wow thank you so much I just I wrote down I just really like the phrase I'm ready to be shown a nice time I like that too <laughs> Because it's like I think that- ready, right? But this is like you got to come to them. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm ready for you to show me. Oh, nice, nice. Well, that that was interesting because we kind of we didn't get to uh, polyamory and in in the line of questioning and look at it and just came us. right back to yes. us. Well, maybe he is I intuitive. am intuitive. Okay, I'm I telling am you, intuitive because he I is intuitive. I only listened the first ten seconds of these things to be like, okay, that seems interesting. Without knowing, yeah. without with only knowing two facts about you, what that yeah. you uh, grew up in Brooklyn and that you went to Tish. <laughs> um. Wow. What is this listener's name? We don't know. This. Oh, is we don't know. Anonymous. It's anonymous. Yeah. Um. Okay. Huh. So. Um. Oh, there's a lot to unpack in that. <laughs> uh, in that little voice note. I mean. 
I have, uh, I have been in a polyamorous relationship. It is really hard. I'll just start by mirroring that experience for this <laughs> listener. It is, um, so difficult. And I think returning to your primary partner is really difficult. That's where she's at right now, right? She's back with her primary partner. Well, they just live together, but it sounds like the relationship is not great. Isn't that what I'm hearing? Or yeah, I thought the caller said that they were done, but they're still living together. Yeah, they're because... done, but still, done, living, but still together. living together. Well, I would say that's number one, <laughs> which is like, it's interesting when I like, I mean, there's some woo-woo shit that we all, you know, hear, but I do subscribe to, uh, all of it, which, which is is like, you have to make the space for these people to enter. And although she might feel that she is making the space because she's on all these dating apps, there's a lot of literally, there's another person in her space um, that is a, a, a relationship that requires a lot of energy and that has a lot of trauma and that has a lot of baggage. I'm sure there's a lot of love. So I would say maybe it's a, it is about like, um, wait until you get your own place <laughs> and then start well, swiping again. Well, maybe like, or just maybe like figuring out like financially what you need to do to get, to get your own place. Or is it about finding a roommate or it's not like whatever that looks like for mm-hmm. you? How, mm-hmm. how do you like actually create the emotional space for another person yeah. to be welcomed into? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's the energy that's making the caller feel, um, maybe it's the energy in their place that's making her feel like the universe is against her. And she's like seeing people that maybe in a different, uh, in a different space, she might be, uh, open towards, because I remember when I first moved to New York, I moved in with a friend from college who had just gotten divorced. And he needed a roommate badly, and I need I this is the only, I couldn't find an apartment I could afford, and um, Zoe he was, was two men, four cats. <laughs> it was can you die? They each had two. They each had two. And I moved when I moved to New York. Two weeks later was the financial crash, and the job that I had lined up evaporated. And so it was a year of two depressed guys <laughs> and four cats living in a place, and it was both of us like both of us would not. Have, he might have said it at the time, but I would. I was like, "No, everything's fine." <laughs> Again, this is before therapy, but like, but like, he was definitely miserable and yeah. only and like tried dating and nothing ever really like worked. Um, and only when he moved out to a new place did like his life start getting on track. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. I do think there is something to be said for the energy the energy in a place right and maybe it was me maybe, maybe maybe it wasn't the the place where he lived with his wife maybe it's the fact that uh he, you just added another depressed person <laughs> to the mix and that yeah that uh brought yeah. everything down Who i knows? mean i would also say that like um it feels uh like there might be some grieving to do uh, for this woman around this past relationship that, and polyamory is fucking intense. It is like, mm-hmm. it, it is such a, it, it like, it, um, pushes you to the brink of like your sanity because I, even though monogamy is just like a construct, it is like you are having to really like, um, 
face all of your deepest fears and insecurities mm-hmm. in such a fucking intense way um, that like, I think maybe even if, if she wants to continue in like a polyamorous lifestyle, just like whatever that was that happened between her and her partner, her primary partner and whatever happened with her secondary partner, like maybe it is about what, what is she having to do and, and to, to really like process that grief in order to let someone else in. I also think there's an element and I know I joked about it, you know, ready to be shown a nice time, but there is something cause right now the point of view I'm hearing is you are looking for someone saying dazzle me. Well, that's yeah. not uh-huh. fair. That's real hard, man. Especially dazzling somebody. They don't even know what a profile, what if they were like Andy's <laughs> friends, sir. And they just wrote a profile. That's just like all their actual problems. And it's like, maybe that's it. I think it's like, and I think that approach, you're never going to find nobody dazzling. People only dazzle you once you kind of know them and understand the context in which they function. And then you're like, wow, you're amazing. Given all this stuff going on. <laughs> Nobody's just naturally like, unless you meet some celebrity you're obsessed with, uh-huh. no one's dazzling. No one's It's like, I'm ready to be shown a nice time. And it's like, you got to show yourself a nice time mm. and then see who's around then when maybe- you're doing it jeff goldblum Mm. will show up and then maybe jeff goldblum will show up like you have to sort of i think i think that's the thing and i wonder if you know you're saying nobody i wonder if they're just people where you're like oh that could be interesting but as you said you don't want to take a risk unless you know they're great well how you gonna know they're great if you don't take the risk so you got a whole chicken egg sitch and that's (laughs) on you boo you gotta fit you gotta do something about that because i would also say too one thing you might want to do and again, grain of salt. You know your girl don't know nothing about nothing. I wonder if you should actually meet up with some of the people who look like, oh, we at least have some stuff in common. Or, oh, they don't yes. live too far. Like, you know, because to me, I'm like, okay, if I can meet you and it doesn't take me like more than 15 minutes to get there, we go to a place that I like. You know what I mean? Like, it's no loss, really, right? Like, even if you're mm-hmm. boring, at least I had like, you know, a really good cupcake or whatever. And so, so like. So you're imagining meeting up at Molly's exactly molly's cupcakes naturally (laughs) and so you just like so that kind of thing and i wonder if just the act of like meeting a new person chit chat and getting into it with them and just sort of working that muscle again that meeting new people muscle that i think for all of us has atrophied in the pandemic and certainly you know when you go through a shitty relationship it takes a ding you know your ability to connect I think you might want to just like meet up with a couple of these hoes, honey. Get a little, <laughs> get a little coffee. Give yourself sixty minutes and be gone. And if that person's not great, also too, you don't give them your number. You know what I mean? Like, right? Like it's like you can meet up with them, do something, and literally be like, "Okay, great, bye," and then like never see them again. If that's what you need to do, but I think there could be value in that. It also gets you out of the house if the vibe is tense, and that's always good. I, I, I second all of that. I think that's amazing advice. I do think it's like, what's interesting is that she is, um, like, she's repeated a couple times, am I just not ready? Hmm. And like, uh, is this the world telling me I'm not ready? Or is this the world telling me I'm not, dis- that I, I mean, using the word disgusting. I mean, there's like some, there is something to not, uh, 
like not feeling worthy of meeting a person and so shutting down, which is what I did for all of my, like, you know, adolescence, like you don't feel worthy. So you shut everybody down. Whereas mm-hmm. like what you're saying, Naomi is like, just go, go do it and start to feel that. Cause then you also get to see what you like and what you don't like. I love this idea that nobody's going to dazzle you. It is a cynical worldview, but I, <laughs> but I think it is realistic. And, um, and I want to be dazzled too, but it is true. Um, it's, uh, it doesn't just happen. And sometimes when, when they're too dazzling, that's a red flag too. Cause that's the, I've been dazzled, dazzled. And then it's like a love bomb situation. Yeah. And that's worse. Yeah, I was gonna say the only the, people that are gonna dazzle you right away are psychopaths. Probably that's true. That's true. Yep, yep, yep. But, right. But wait, uh, sorry for you. Like, what was you? You the way you talked about polyamorousness? Uh, you're like it pushes you to the edge. <laughs> what was the positive side of it? Oh, the highs are so high. You know, like um, the I think the idea of being able to be, uh, be in a relationship that is. <laughs> ostensibly secure with your primary partner, um, communicative, honest, open, and then to also get to experience new people because that is just a part of what it is to be a human. It's, it's impossible not to sometimes fantasize or want to flirt or want to do those things. Like yeah. that, <laughs> you know, that's, ex- that's really exciting. Um, and when it's like, and it, and there is a bonding element to it. Cause it's like two people jumping out of an airplane, which I also mm. did with my ex-husband. Um, you know, like when you jump out, you're like, when you finish, you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe we just did that. Let's celebrate. Cause it is like, you both test the bounds of like, you know, sitting at home saying goodbye to your partner as they go to fuck somebody and sitting at home and having to sit there being like, and now they're doing this, oh God, you know, and just like sleeping up. through it. Like you really have to face yourself and be like, you good, <laughs> you know? Um, and then when you, it's like a bad trip, which I have had as well. <laughs> um, like when you get on, sometimes when you get on the other, I've never had a bad LSD, I've never done LSD, but when I've had bad mushroom trips, like when you get on the other side of a bad mushroom trip, there is something to it where you're like, I'm fucking strong. Like I made it through that thing. And now I know that I won't just wilt, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those are like cool things to learn about yourself. But um, but it's hard hard in (laughs) practice. The other thing that's hard in practice about polyamory, and then I'll stop talking about it, is that it is impossible. And I've spoken to so many people in the polyamorous community it, it does seem nearly impossible for it not to be sexier when something is illicit. And the whole point of polyamory is that it is completely open and honest communication, generally speaking. I mean, some people have like, don't ask, don't tell, but that gets tricky, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> like, where does an omission differ from a lie? And when do you start shifting an omission into a lie? And all of these things. And when you are asked, do you tell or are you lying? And like, so um, then it does that. That is really like foundational for a relationship in terms of trust, like just figuring out how to do that. And a lot of the time, I, I think it's hard for trust not to get broken. Yeah. I have one question about polyamory. When you meet a person who you are interested in, 
How quickly do you tell them, hey, I'm in a relationship. I have a primary partner at home, but let's get it on. Like, do you bring that up kind of up top? Do you wait until you get the sense that, oh, yeah, they're in. They're in. You know what I mean? Or do you not? You know what I mean? That's like Do you saying. reel them in first and then? Right. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I really never went fishing, if I'm being honest. Okay. Uh, it was mostly like people would no- know. Also, uh-huh. it's different because I'm a public, you know, it's like I'm like yeah. a m- more in the public, public I- image. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've got one of those check marks. So, um, <laughs> I, like, you know, I think people knew. But I, but, but that is a big part of it. Like, um, because if you're not telling people, that is not okay. Right, right, right. I think you have. I think you have to be upfront from the jump, and you have to be like, "And these are the terms of what I've agreed to with my partner." That's a whole, the whole philosophy behind a primary partner is that right. that is your primary person that right. that is like my mom's friends who are she has a lot of polyamorous friends, and her her um, friends who are kind of like my mentors in in that were like one of her girlfriends was like. When my partner, my primary partner goes on a date, he has to bring her to the house to meet me first Hmm. so that it's like, I feel comfortable with her. We have each other's backs. It's not like I'm going to go steal your man from under you. Uh It's like, this is the, look at our home. This is the home we've built together. This is, you know, which is interesting. This person has their like child come up and say, you are not my mommy. (laughs) You never will be. Really just kind of drive it home. It's like, don't even get too comfortable. And then it's like, okay, go have a good pasta dinner. Right. Point to a picture on the on the fridge of that the child drew of yep. the two parents. And the, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Um I don't have children, but I would I would rent them just right? for that. Just to fuck fuck with these girls. Just to be like, uh-uh. <laughs> Say goodbye to your daddy. <laughs> Can we do this one more, Andy? Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, all right. We're going to do one more. Here we go. Okay. Hi, Andy and Naomi. I need to give you the tea on this situation. So I'm 21. I'm currently a senior in college in northern Utah, a little school called Utah State. It doesn't really matter in this context. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm 21, and I made a new friend this year, and they are 19. So this friend... Um, you know, has started drinking and like partying with my other friends and like whatever, coming around to stuff. It's been fun. So we were going to Las Vegas together. So I was kind of like pressuring my friend to get a fake ID, which literally the worst mistake of my life because I think had I have not pressured my friend or kind of like brought up the idea, they probably wouldn't have gotten it. So anyway, fast forward to now, my friend has a fake ID and because they're 19, they just don't know how to handle their alcohol, and they get way too drunk. They throw up everywhere, um, in people's closets, all over themselves and others. Oh, no. And it's just becoming a problem. Like, they don't know how to handle themselves in these situations. And not only does it take away from, like, my ability to have fun, I think it kind of makes everyone around us, like, a little uncomfortable with how drunk this person is getting. So I've tried bringing it up and um, nothing has really changed. So I'm just kind of wondering how I go about this situation because it's, I mean, not only, and it's also like super unsafe. 
to be getting blackout drunk and like you can't stand and you know what I mean? Like and also like being underage because in Utah there's this thing called MIP minor in possession and it's like a two thousand dollar fine and it's this whole ordeal. So it's just it's not safe and I'm it's starting to make me very annoyed and very um reluctant to go out with this person, especially when there's going to be drinking involved. So I guess my question is how do I go about the situation? Okay, thanks. Bye. Ooh. Okay. Zoe, top line okay. thoughts as someone who was a younger okay. friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> professional younger friend for many years. I know. I was a professional younger friend who was stone cold sober. Right. <laughs> um, uh, that's, I mean, I, it seems that, that just a conversation needs to be had. Uh, well, right. Like, oh. uh, no, I mean, listen, I just watched, I just watched, uh, I'm not sure if we're all caught up in euphoria, but, <laughs> um, you know, like, I don't think this is an intervention situation, but it does seem that this person is like, there is something to chalk up to youth and just being mm-hmm. like messy and an amateur at this, but there's clearly something that this person is trying to like numb in a pretty serious way. So, mm-hmm. um, maybe instead of being like, you drink too much, I want to talk to you about it. Like, it's having a conversation that's like, I've noticed this behavior, like, to me, that is you signaling that you're in pain. Mm. So I would love to talk to you about what kind of pain you're in and how Mm. I can help support you. Now, that is a very, very kind, honest approach. Because my first thought was, (laughs) okay, you can't invite them nowhere. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, no, I mean, like, you cannot invite that person out to, like, to places where you know there's going to be drinking you can obviously still hang out with them like let's get dinner or let's meet up it's like if you know you're going to some again this is a college right it's like don't invite them to vegas again you know what i mean (laughs) like it's like that to me is the answer at least until until they may be willing because because the caller said they brought it up once before but it didn't really do anything, which is then when right. I think your approach, Zoe, would be nice because it's different than like, you need to calm down. It's like, babe, yeah. are you good? That's like, maybe yeah. it's, you know, like that would be it. But I think kind of until that, until you can get into that, y'all, you cannot, because I think it's so true. Like, I know that feeling of not simply this person, but it's like you as the friend feeling worried for them, having to take care of them. You know, mm-hmm. that does affect your night. Like, it's not fun mm-hmm. when you got to no. carry somebody home or you're afraid or you're like, I can't leave her for 30 minutes because mm-hmm. Lord knows what will happen. You know, mm-hmm. whatever it is that I think that um, it is it is something you got to just, like, put a pause on those hangouts. But yeah, couldn't you also – I I've never really drank, and I didn't drink that much in uh, in college. I've been, like, drunk a handful of times. But – I found lots of fun stuff to do. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what Northern Utah's like, but like, aren't there? I mean, look, I can't be that much different. I went to uh, undergrad in, in, at Pitt, right? Can't be that much different than <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> right? So there's lots of f- things you can do that are not drinking, that don't involve drinking. Maybe do those things with your friend, not just like don't yeah. invite them to drinking, but like change some of the stuff you've been doing. Go on a hike. 
going. Right. Well, Lord, well, I bet you. Can that's hike a little too far. Hold on, that's a little, <laughs> that's a little too far. I meant like go see like a basement punk show. Go see. <laughs> oh, okay. Go bowling. Go. Uh huh. Uh huh. Some mini know. golfing. I see what you're saying. Go to Eaton Park or whatever that, this, the Eaton Park equivalent is in Utah. This person is right. not saying that they feel they themselves have a problem with right. alcohol. But I'm saying they it, to like maybe like. Pivot if, the friend. If, pivot the friend. If they I don't see. mind, the like doing some other it. fun stuff, yeah. that that doesn't involve yingling or whatever. Yingling. What a fun specific. Andy. <laughs> yingling. He's like, what's a drink I can think of? Yingling. Well, that's what. Oh there were two God. things. That was the fancier beer that people drank in <laughs> Pennsylvania, and then uh, Beast, Michigan's best, I believe, was the was the crap beer. <laughs> wow. Yeah, having Michigan's best in Pennsylvania. That would be a little <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. But wait, Zoe, when you were, uh, I believe your words were professional party girl playing that role in your band. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, was that like out of control type stuff? And that, and if so, how did it, did it just naturally end? No, I was never out of control. I mean, when I was in London, I was like, drinking a, a lot um but it would uh, the way that that would usually end was just me puking and passing out and you know like uh like a normal um <laughs> and i think that happened enough where i was like i don't want to feel that way anymore i just like mm-hmm. i don't really drink anymore because just like the hangover i'm like who has the time i'm like mm-hmm. i can't, I can't. I there's three of them <laughs> i'm so sorry I, I apologize to everyone that just heard that. Oh my god! Um, but I do. No, I didn't. Um, I would get. I wasn't. No, I was yeah. pretty. Fu- I, yeah. I don't know. It's like it, that's the thing is when you're when you're that age, you are sloppy sometimes mm-hmm. and making mistakes and sort of learning how to navigate those mistakes. So, um, I guess it's a question of how much self awareness one has. Like on nights after, I would go out and get too drunk where I was never like problematic, but when I would feel like shit or puke or something, the next day I'd be like, I should probably like take a step back for a few days at least, you know, or a week Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) and mm -hmm. see. Yeah. So if this person doesn't have, if this person is more on like a path of self-destruction that feels sort of intentional, that's really like something to, that's what, where I'm like, as a friend, there you should be coming from a place of concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 you yeah. I think that's very true. That's very compassionate. Yeah, I think it's also. But again, I agree too. I remember it's like you are nineteen, especially if you're on like a college campus. Because I know I didn't drink until junior year of college, but I definitely felt as though I was somewhat insulated from quote unquote trouble by being <laughs> on you know a little yeah. campus in Connecticut. And so, uh-huh. but I remember me. The first time, or maybe not. All I know is there was like in college early on, you know, I wasn't much of a drinker. I got drunk on screwdrivers because I didn't like the taste of alcohol, but I like orange juice. And when I tell you I got (laughs) so sick, I did not drink orange juice for two months Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it was just like I couldn't not, it would turn my stomach every time I would think about what had happened. And it was just like, absolutely not. You got to shut it down. You got to settle it down. But that is something that. You go through when you're 19, you know? Yeah. And, but yeah, I think it's more so for the caller. It's like, yeah, you don't want to be that person's babysitter. You don't want to be that person's nurse, you know, like all the things that you have to do. Um, and I think that's completely fine, you know, to not to feel like, mm-hmm. hey, I can't do this every time we go out. Yeah. So there's also the tough love approach. 
Yeah, that's me, probably. <laughs> a, little, a little rough around the edges. <laughs> I think that's a good... I think yeah. I think we've given a good spectrum of answers. Yeah. Zoe. Great. Zoe. What a healing hour. A healing hour. A healing hour. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're a dream. Thank you for having me. I would stay on for many more hours. Um, and I, you're the best. This was so much fun. You're the best. I can't wait to be on your couch living an Insider's <laughs> moment. You guys. You're welcome. <laughs> we will see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.